Hey, everybody. Welcome to My Favorite Friendship. I'm Mark Musinski. And I'm Brian Wool. And we're best friends. And we figured in this troubled time, the one thing that has gotten us through it is friendship. So we thought, why not look at some of the most interesting, complicated, and inspiring friendships from the past to see what lessons we can learn from them? Yes. Uh, one of the things that was most important to me, too, even before you know all the COVID-19 stuff happened, was how hard it is for people to find and make friends in their 30s. And Mark and I both are in our 30s. We have a lot of friends that are going through situations where they're changing jobs, moving to new areas, where it's hard to make new friends. And so possibly stories about famous friendships of the past might inspire people to make friends in their new town. Well, that sounds like a perfect segue to start talking about some famous friendships. Yes. Uh, really quick before, did we talk about how, how we're best friends and why how, how oh we met? Do we want to get into that? I don't know, but we can always cut it out later. So let's do okay. it. Yeah, um, I, you go first. How about that? Well, so I, <laughs> I first remember you... Uh, when we were in college, we auditioned for the same improv comedy group, the Improv Mafia at Illinois State University. Uh, I remember thinking that you were one of the funniest people I'd ever seen, and then I promptly did not get into that group. But I, but I luckily met you through that process. In, in the audition, I asked you out to lunch as friends. Yes, as friends. <laughs> I said, I said, I, I, I thought you were hilarious, and I was like, I have got to get to know this guy. The, of all the people in this room, this is someone I, I want to know about. And I was like, I've got lunch credits to spare. Let's do this. Oh, yeah. I think you were, honestly, I think you were the first college friend I made that was not someone I already knew. Oh, really? I didn't know anybody when I went to college. That was very scary for me. To, but I, I was also kind of excited to go somewhere where I didn't really know anybody. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and I want I wanted to just see what it's like to start from the beginning. And it was so, so hard. It's funny because I was also excited about starting from scratch. And I remember thinking about how I was going to like meet all these new people and stuff like that. And then I went to that orientation weekend that they had and nobody talked to me and I did not make any friends and I cried. Mm -hmm. um, I, I remember I walked out. There was like a bridge that went over a, one of the major roads near our college that kind of connected the library to the quad. And I just stood on the bridge and I cried. I wasn't like, huh. like thinking about jumping off the bridge. It was just a, just a pretty bridge. Yeah. It's a good place to cry. I, I know I, I've cried there before too. <laughs> but I, but it's funny because I had all these, I think I had all these preconceptions about making friends and how people would just be like, Hey, we're, you know, I know some guy who's throwing a frat party come with. And it turns out, like, when you're kind of a nerdy, visually impaired kid in a group of people, they, everyone else is just as scared and isolated as you. So if you don't know how to, you know, appear open or reach out to other people, they're not going to know or be ready to bring you along. I, I don't know what, what kind of came over me to to want to make that connection. Uh, Cause there, there are definitely people that were at that audition that wanted to be competitive or, or, you know, whatever. Uh, but I, I just knew that I, 
I thought your mind was cool and your humor was just right. I was like, this is a guy I want to be around. And I feel, I felt like if I was friends with you, then everything else would probably, you know, come together. And once we made those initial plans, the first thing you said was, can I bring my friend Nick? Yeah. And I said, of course. And then I, I got to make one other friend there. And then other people saw from the audition that you, Nick, and I were going to lunch together, and they asked to join as well. And we had, uh, I think, three or four other people join us. And uh, those people remained our friends for at least the rest of college and some for a lot longer. Yeah, and that was 16 years ago, almost 17 years ago. years ago. Yeah. 16 years ago, yeah. Yeah. So... Friendship works. Friendship works, it, you guys. It's it's so hard to put yourself out there and and putting yourself out there uh, to someone that that you admire, uh, you know, is, is hard enough. But someone who you've admired for a long time is really hard, and that's where our first friendship comes in. Mark, I, I have a friendship to bring today. All right, hit me with it. I'm excited. This this friendship is the amazing friendship of Mark Twain and Nikola Tesla. What? Yes. So Mark Twain, the famous humorist who wrote Huck Finn, and Nikola Tesla, the scientist who invented the Tesla coil, were friends? Yes. Now, uh, they're, they're 30 years apart uh, in, in age. Okay. So it's a real May-December friendship. And that's something else we, we could probably get into a little bit later in the episode of friendship with someone who's not your same age. Uh, mm-hmm. cause I'd love to talk about that too. Uh, cause that, that's a whole nother thing, but, but here, here's how this thing came about. Nikola Tesla, when he was a young man was very sickly. And, uh, I've gone through multiple sources here. The Irish times being the best one. Uh, we'll probably go back to the Irish mm-hmm. times because the Irish times actually did a week on friendship in 2016. Oh, that's awesome. And each day they explored a different interesting friendship. And and so you'll probably hear me go back to the Irish Times, or maybe you will too, depending on how much we love them. But yeah, the Irish Times said that when Nikola Tesla was a young man, uh, he was born in 1856, oh. but around the 1860s, he became very ill. Uh, mm-hmm. They did not say what the illness was. He, he had, and he was living in Serbia at the time and he was very sickly. So while he was sick, he was bedridden. And so in order to kind of entertain himself, he would read Mark Twain's books. And so he decided later in life as he became, you know, more notable as, as a uh, scientist to write to Mark Twain and he had this idea. That's a bold move. Yeah, he had this alternating current uh, electricity that that he'd been working on. And Mark Twain was a chief investor mm. in the company Westinghouse that was looking at Wait, making really? a new mechanical typesetter. Yes, Westinghouse. Mark Twain was a major investor in Westinghouse. I I mean, it's funny because you think of him as an author, as a humorist, and all that. It's funny to be like. This guy had to sit down and think, where should I put my money? And he put it in typesetting. <laughs> yeah, the typesetting boom of the late 1800s, you know. 
Well, it certainly was, because if you think about all of the things that were that were going on at the time, the United States was hungry for books. They were hungry mm-hmm. for newspapers. They were hungry for pamphlets. Things were going around there. You know, this is before any other entertainment. So so print the printed word was king. So Westinghouse was a great investment for Mark Twain. So uh, in, in the 1880s, Tesla started working on a motor for Westinghouse. And Mark Twain recognized that that motor was superior to uh, James W. Page, which used a direct current uh, mm-hmm. for the typesetter. So uh, Mark Twain was, was already taken with this young man for, for writing to him, but then even more taken with him by uh, his amazing abilities as as a machine builder and uh, inventor of electricity <laughs> or, <laughs> or you know of alternating current electricity sure yeah the, and, the sort of i guess he's like the harnesser of alternating current it's the harnesser know? sure yeah the harnesser <laughs> uh, so tesla had only um, been in in the country for about 5 years before meeting Mark Twain. And they met at a special club for New York. The the, uh, the Irish Times calls it a gentleman's club, and that is not what gentlemen's clubs are today. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it is a but social Irish club. Times, I love your optimism. <laughs> yeah, it's a social club uh, called the Players Club, which... Uh, Mark Twain was part founder of. So he's like, hey, come meet me at my own club. That's cool. Well, I, I'm not sure if if Twain was the one that invited him. It doesn't say that Twain was the one that invited him to the club first. It mm. may have been. Well, it had to be because there's no way Tesla would be like, hey, do you want to come to this private club I'm not a member of? Do you happen to be a member of it? The record shows that Tesla and Twain met in 1889 mm-hmm. uh the players club was founded in 1888 and tesla was invited to join in 1894 okay so they so they had already been friends for five years before he was even uh invited to join the club but their first meeting was at the players club was at the club wow. it, it doesn't say who invited tesla to the club first mm-hmm. but while they were at the club tesla told mark twain about his childhood illness and the saving effect of what Tesla read in Mark Twain's books and said, you helped cure me of my illness. Reading about Huck Finn and Tom Sawyer and, and everything that you wrote gave me the will to get out of my sickness. And this moved Twain to tears, reportedly. Wow. Then they became very good friends and would write to one another. Here's the thing. Uh, I found some letters of Mark Twain. And Nikola Tesla. But here's the deal. Yeah. Uh, most of Mark Twain's letters to Nikola Tesla are about how busy he was and how he doesn't know if he's going to make it on time or at all to anything. <laughs> so it's just the same texts that you always get from that one friend? Yes. <laughs> like Twain, tw- all the record of Twain's stuff is completely missing. So it seems like Twain was more the scatterbrain person that just kind of lost everything and you didn't know whether he was going to show up or not. And mm-hmm. But Tesla, all the letters that they found were in Tesla's possession or in the possession of a friend of Tesla's 
Like here, here's one example of a, a letter to Nikola Tesla from Mark Twain. This is March 4th, 1894. Dear Mr. Tesla, if I can possibly manage it, I'll be there by 4 p.m., but I am dreadfully pushed for time, and you mustn't depend on me. In haste, sincerely yours, Samuel Clements. <laughs> he signed it in haste. So how quickly are these letters delivered? The next letter I have from him was uh, written from the Players Club. Mark Twain wrote, <laughs> Friday, midnight. Dear Mr. Tesla, I am desperately sorry, but a matter of unavoidable business has intruded itself and bars me from coming down tomorrow afternoon. I am very, very sorry. Do forgive me. Sincerely yours, Samuel Clemens. <laughs> it's like Mark Twain. Ooh, hey, just saw this. Did you guys end up hanging out? So sorry. It is so funny. He's just complete. He's dodging Tesla all the time. And it's, oh. <laughs> It, it, it is I feel like absolutely it feels like this is probably his like I, I don't I feel like this wasn't personal. This, my read on this is that this Mark Twain is just the kind of guy who gets caught up with stuff. Yeah, and I get that. I do that all the time. On me. I appreciate it. But but guess what? Mark Twain did eventually make it to Tesla's laboratory. That's amazing. And there are photographs of Mark Twain in Nikola Tesla's laboratory. Yeah, because Pixar, it didn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Twain gets it. <laughs> He's got to prove he showed up one time. I think it's with a phosphorescent camera is what they they called it or something. Wow. So Tesla, you know, told Mark Twain, you cured me of a disease. Well, Twain told Tesla, I, I have something that I'm, I'm struggling with. I struggle with constipation. <laughs> and Tesla said, I think I have something that could help your constipation. And he suggested that Mark Twain stood on a mechanical oscillating machine. <laughs> it was like an engine that would put out an alternating current of high frequency that would vibrate. So just shake, just shake the poop out. Yeah. And so Tesla was like, maybe the vibrations would have a therapeutic effect. Hmm. And so he said, sure. he said, Mark, would you, would you try this out? His solution was literally good vibes. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that's what Mark Twain's uh, that's what Nikola Tesla's into is good vibes. <laughs> so Mark Twain got on the oscillator, and Tesla started the machine up. And Twain enjoyed the effect so much, and he said it. it he's feeling invigorated and full of vitality. And Tesla would say, "I I think we should stop this now." And Twain said, "No." I want to stay on this. Keep this going. This is making me feel amazing. So Tesla kept Twain on the oscillator until Twain had to make a mad dash for the bathroom because it worked. He, Mark Twain had to poop. So That's if you have amazing. enough vibrations, it will shake the poop out of you. It worked, Mark. Wow. So uh, that... That is absolutely amazing. Their friendship continued. Mark Twain, like I said, invited uh, Tesla to join the Players Club in 1894. And then later he invited Tesla to his daughter, to Mark Twain's daughter's wedding. Oh, wow. Twain did not stay in New York. He wasn't living in New York at this time. He mm -hmm. was uh, living in Austria most of the time because his wife and daughter were both having health issues. Mm -hmm. And 
they thought that the European air mm-hmm. uh, would be better for them. It's so much more refined and sophisticated. So, well, <laughs> refined, sophisticated, and also n- not full of all the industrial soot from the industrial revolution that was going on at the time. True. So, so Twain was like, "Oh, let's let's go over to Austria," and I, I found a letter here from November seventeenth, eighteen ninety eight. Twain wrote to Tesla, "Dear Mister Tesla." Have you Austrian and English patents on that destructive terror which you have been inventing? And if so, won't you set a price upon them and concession me to sell them? I know cabinet ministers of both countries, and Germany too, likewise William II. I shall be in Europe a year yet. Here in the hotel the other night, when some interested man, discussing means to persuade the nations to join with the Tsar and disarm, I advise them to seek something more sure than disarmament by perishable paper contract. Invite the great inventors to contrive something against which fleets and armies would be helpless, and thus make war thenceforth impossible. I did not suspect Whoa. that you were already attending to that, and getting ready to introduce into the earth permanent peace and disarmament in a practical and mandatory way. I know you are a very busy man, but will you steal time to drop me a line? Sincerely yours, Mark Twain. So he wanted to get into an arms deal with Tesla. Yes. This is why you don't do business with friends sometimes. Oh, about this. And he was like, let's, let's, uh, let's try to disarm the world by using your electricity as the most powerful weapon. Well, do you think he meant electricity or did he mean like Tesla was working on a weapon that shot electricity or something? I think it is. I think it would be weaponizing his uh his tesla coil Mm. damn i mean and that's also the same logic that went into you know sort of mutually assured destruction yes i also like that twain who's you know an author of very wonderful books is like wheeling and dealing with heads of state and cabinet ministers i mean i guess that's why look i guess to be fair he started a club called the players club i should I should be aware of what his mode of operation was. Yeah, let's let's get into the Players Club a little bit. Uh, yeah, is it still around? The Can Players we join? Club is still around. It is in New York City. It's in uh, Gramercy Park. Uh, mm-hmm. The clubhouse is still there. It is private. They have a few events where public the public is able to attend, but uh, mostly it's private. Twain would spend a lot of time there, uh, almost you know practically living there. He just loved to be there all the time. They have um, a card room, a booth room, a big dining room. Uh, they have an alcove, too, where everyone can you know, hang out, talk, great hall, grill. But the biggest thing is they have a pool room, a clubhouse. Wait, like swimming pool or billiards? Billiards. Mark oh. Twain loved billiards. <laughs> and Mark Twain's Ew. pool cue is still hanging above his portrait in the billiards room. So did he start this alone or like who else, who are the other players? Edwin Booth, who is the brother of John Wilkes Booth. Okay. So the the idea of the players club is that it is a club for uh, theater industry folks and theater enthusiasts uh, that are patrons of the arts. So it would it would allow for creatives 
to rub elbows and hang out with other creatives and also people that could give them money to create the things that they want. So how many podcast listeners would we have to have before we get invited to the Players Club? Note, this is our first episode. You know, I, I, I don't even know who the current members are. I, I can tell you this. I went to their website. And they do have reciprocal reciprocal clubs around the world, uh, particularly in the United States. But there are clubs around the world that will accommodate players club members. Uh, is there one in L.A.? Of course. It's the Magic Castle. No way. Yes way. Oh, my God. Oh, the Magic Castle, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a private magician's club in L.A. that if you know a magician, you can get in and see some of the most amazing magic shows in the world. And apparently the Players Club members can too. Players Club members are able to contact the Magic Castle, let them know. If you need to go to a reciprocal club, you're supposed to request a letter of introduction from the administrative office of the Players Club. And then they will send a letter to whatever club that you are going to, and they will introduce you, and you will be taken care of. That's old school. I love that. But there are reciprocal clubs in India, Australia, Scotland, England, uh, Ireland, uh, let's see, London, of course, so many in London. Uh, There's like nine clubs in London that a players club uh, member could go to. Uh, Washington, Pittsburgh, San Francisco, Philadelphia, Minnesota, Hartford, Chicago, Charlotte, Boston, Baltimore. What is it in Chicago? Does it say? Yes. In Chicago, the Cliff Dwellers Club and the Union League Club of Chicago. All right. This podcast starts now and it ends the day that we get invited to the Players Club. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a thing is, you know, the way part of the way these guys met was being at a social club and i love that i mean as long i I guess oh sorry go on uh, i think back in my life like of the social clubs that i've been a part of you know what is a social club and and really you know a great way so many ways that i made friends was through different clubs or teams or Mm -hmm. something like that and they you know they just have a different name you and i met auditioning to be a part of an improv club or team, Uh whatever you want to call it. I met so many friends as did you through that, that club. Well, and what, but the one thing that is the downside of the social club is, is often you can't let everyone in. And I know for me, I eventually was lucky enough to be a part of that improv group, but the first year I didn't make it. And I know how hard it is sometimes when you want to be a part of a social club, and they don't let you. And and being not good enough at improv is, you know, a pretty unimportant reason. But there are plenty of social clubs that discriminate for a whole bunch of other, you know, mu- much less scrupulous reasons. You know, it, it the thing that I notice about it is it's not necessarily about being in those particular clubs right away. Sometimes it's just finding a club that's right for you. And... Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not necessarily even a club. It could be a class or an activity. Mm-hmm. And then you would meet somebody else that shares your interests. That's what, that is the, that's what that I like about it. Of these clubs is that yeah. there are people gathering 
with shared interest. Do you think there's a way to design a social club that can avoid some of the the discriminations and pitfalls of others and, and be open to anyone who shares that interest, whatever it's built around? I think I think there are a lot of clubs that have that, but inherently there's going to be some sort of flaw because it's run by human beings with prejudices and issues. Yeah. Sometimes you have to audition. Sometimes you'll try to meet people whose weapons you can sell internationally. <laughs> there's, you know? there's just so many things where, where it, it, it can be a, a real hang up. But I'm picturing Mark Twain like, we'll topple the nations like the billiards balls clacking into one another until they all fall into our pockets. <laughs> <laughs> I, a, I th- I'm surprised that Mark Twain. So th- that was a completely new thing I learned about him was and I'm learning more about his investments and his work outside of being a humorist. Yeah. But, but yeah, like, you know, he was he was famous. He was like one of the first famous humorists. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it's it, it's just unbelievable to to read all these things about him. But yeah, this players club is very exclusive and it still continues to that today. I, I think uh in order for us to to join the players club, we would have to uh either be a, a you know, some sort of fixture in the Broadway theater scene. Uh-huh. That that is what was important to Mark Twain and Edwin Booth in the beginning was, uh-huh. you know, a, a way for the theater people to get together or be a patron of that to the point where where we would be helpful. So I don't I don't think you and I would probably, you know, we're located in L.A. Yeah, we have L.A. social clubs to be a part of. Now, there, there's the Magic Castle, which we have friends that are a part of. Hollywood Athletic Club. Soho House, the San Vicente Bungalows. I mean, there's a million great ones in L.A. Yeah, there's a lot of social clubs in L.A. So and many now, social clubs. Honestly, uh, I don't want to be invited to the Players Club because I just said that's when this podcast will end and I don't want it to end. <laughs> so so you hear that, Players Club, you're going to really have to chase us. I don't know. I, I'd like to at least be invited. I'd love to check it out. For sure. I'd, I'd be totally down to to see what that's all about. And for everyone else, this has been amazing. And we can't wait to go learn more about friendship, live more about friendship, and then talk more about friendship. Mm-hmm. See you guys next week or next episode. <laughs>